0: what's up Rebuilders so I want to explain a little bit about kind of what's in a name uh, what kind of sparked naming rebuild stronger our company uh, what it is today and kind of the the guiding light the guiding process behind how how that whole thing came about so first and foremost um, the the term rebuild stronger actually comes from one of my former athletes, she hashtagged it all the time, coming back from a back injury that was pretty limiting and pretty persistent too. It was one of those things she heard herself deadlifting. She was a CrossFitter and just a highly driven, highly uh, disciplined individual. And she would tag, she would hashtag rebuild stronger in so many of her posts. And a lot of the conversations we had revolved around. How with training, with life, with business, with family, with kids, with all of it, there are always times where you make mistakes, where your body is breaking down. And one of the really cool things about the human condition is our ability to be stronger from that, to grow from that, to rebuild. And for the longest time, I was operating uh, you know, rebuild stronger as a company with no name. It was just kind of me going through working with athletes, working with power lifters, working with weightlifters, but I didn't really have like that guiding light. It was, it was just me doing something that I loved. And then one day it clicked. Uh, we're still working together. I saw it in our Instagram and I was like, holy shit, that's it. It's rebuild stronger. That's, this is what this whole thing is. And from that moment forward, it's really been the culture that I've tried to set with our team and the understanding and kind of the mantra behind training, rehab, even the business coaching that I do is, you know, you can fail. The failure is gonna happen. Uh, Difficult times are gonna happen. Plateaus in training are gonna happen. You're gonna put a post out there and it's gonna fall flat. Um, There's so many instances where you're not gonna be good at something and it's gonna take time to get even better. And those failures, those things that make things difficult, those moments that make it harder to stay in the fight are actually what will make you stronger and succeed down the road. Because your body, your mind, all of those things has the ability, has the capacity, has the resilience as a big, like clinical buzzword currently, to rebuild. And not only does it rebuild to its previous state, but typically it rebuilds stronger. Injury, uh, I've always looked at it as, a, as an opportunity for people to refine, to dial in more, to get processes better, and to take that as a window where they can actually start to not just come back to where they were, but exceed that. And it's one of the things that I've found to be Really, really important in the journey because you can be, you know, constantly looking at the goal, constantly looking towards that outcome, but it's the process that helps get you there. And it's a, it's a really important mindset and aspect to, to bring into your training, into your life, into your business, into your family, and into those other things, because without failure, without giving you the opportunity for growth, that growth will not come. You, you have to fail. You have to lose and you have to learn from it so wanted to kind of explain where that name came from where the origins were and honestly how it's helped guide not just myself but the team uh, in the last five years at this point uh into growing what we've we've become so thanks again if you don't know who i am my name is john flag i'm the owner of rebuild stronger a strength and rehab uh, coaching company for powerlifters weightlifters strongman competitors crossfitters whoever wants to get strong we're here for you so uh, if you have any questions i'm an open book send a message drop it in the comments we'll talk soon thanks for watching yo oh, welcome back rebuilders i am happy today to talk about one of my favorite authors and one of my favorite concepts that have really helped guide uh, my own coaching, my business, and a lot of uh, the athletes that I've worked with. Uh, James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits and multiple other books out there. And if, if you've ever done any of this behavior change stuff or any tr- ever tried to kind of better yourself through self-improvement, Atomic Habits is probably one of the first books that people have suggested to you. Within that book, though, is a really interesting kind of concept about goals. And one of the things that I've really tried to conceptualize for myself over the last few years is that winners and losers both have the same goals. Everybody wants to squat 3 times their body weight. Everybody wants to make a million dollars. Like everybody has the same goals. Most most people can can conceptualize and and dream big. Like your moonshots, your goals, your aspirations don't actually make you special. And when I first read that, it was kind of a punch in the gut. And if this is the first time you're hearing it, I can understand if if that's the typical response because for many people it is. It's like, what do you mean? My goals, I've been told my entire life, like set goals, goals are the most important thing. Like if you don't goal set, then you're a moron, you're never gonna go anywhere in life. And it's not that that's not true. It's that the, the losers actually focus on just the goal. They focus on just the outcome. They focus on that million dollars or they focus on that big squat or they focus on whatever that next big step is, losing that 10 pounds, 15, 20 pounds, whatever it is. focus on the goal. But the winners actually focus on the actions or the process that's going to get them to that goal. And the secret is they're actually able to disconnect the actual actions that they're taking and the outcome because I've mentioned this in previous iterations, but when you start at something, you're going to suck at it. When it is new, it's not going to be great. The first time you came in, came to the gym, tried to do a back squat. You probably didn't know what a barbell was. You didn't know where to put it on your back. You didn't know what to do with your hands and you probably moved around a little bit more like a baby giraffe than anything else. So it took reps, it took time, it took failures, it took learning to get better at that skill and actually become good at it. And it probably took, in reality, a lot longer than you thought it was gonna take to actually get good at those things. And what ends up happening is a lot of people, when they get to the goal, then they're done. And they they kind of hit it and they attach themselves to it and they say, okay, cool, I figured it all out. And then the key though is how do you repeat it? How do you repeat that goal? How do you do it again? How do you find ways to progress past that thing? And that's when the actions actually matter. And it's on top of that, it's disconnecting how you feel about the outcome with those actions. Because there were plenty of times where you were learning that squat where you probably felt like giving up. You, You weren't there yet. It was discouraging. If you're able to actually disconnect those feelings from the outcome and really just focus on the actions, then that can, can make striving towards that goal, it can make moving in those directions a much, much stronger push and apply across multiple different goals. Because that's, that's the key piece here, right? Because what you're trying to build is actually consistency. What you're trying to build is, is actual discipline. And we can talk about the difference between motivation and discipline later, but that's really what it comes down to. Because once you're able to disconnect the actions from the outcome and really focus on completing the actions, that's when you can consistently get outcomes with the goals that you set and not just focus on hitting the goals. And then once you're there, stopping the actions. Because once you stop those actions, the next goal actually gets further away. And that's, that's the difference between winners and losers. They have the same goals, but they connect to the process and outcome differently, where they're focused on the actions, not focused on just the outcome. So thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, do all those other fun things. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please send a rating. Five stars would be awesome. Uh, If my audio quality is terrible and you give me a one star, then I'll just be fine with it. Uh, I'm not going to hunt you down or anything because I pretty much just live in this basement. (laughs) So if you don't know who I am, my name is John Flagg. I own Rebuild Stronger, a strength and rehab company for powerlifters and other strength athletes. All of this stuff, I wanna give as much knowledge away to you guys uh, as completely free as possible um, and really just kind of expand your brains around how to get stronger, more reliably, and stay healthy. So until next time, peace. What's up, CPC peeps? So really hot topic in powerlifting is bracing. And don't worry, I'm gonna get this band out of the way in a second before I hit myself in the face. Uh, But I've seen a bunch of claims around bracing over the last few years that uh, throw a couple red flags my way. And one of the things we really cover in the course is the effect of bracing, the research behind bracing, what it does, and how to actually teach it. But I want to give you a little sneak peek of how I teach bracing personally and especially for beginners, just really simple ways to start to get get them to conceptualize what they're trying to create. Because bracing, A, is a reflexive thing. We have plenty of studies to show that as soon as you apply load to somebody, they're going to inherently brace. They're going to do certain actions that are going to help stabilize their spine and the rest of their body. But in reality, what we're trying to create under maximum load and powerlifting is tension. And not just tension in... The, the core or the abdominal area where most people think, but everywhere. A true proper brace actually starts from the floor, goes all the way up and transmits into the barbell wherever you are, whether that's a bench press, deadlift, or squat. And we have to set everything up in between. Where most people look at bracing though, is around the belt, right? So real quick, I'm gonna grab my belt here, my cool custom belt. You should still be able to, to hear me. I had this sweet thing sent to me in the mail um, via a anonymous donor. So whoever you are out there, I greatly appreciate you buying me an amazing pioneer belt. This one, says boss on the back and everything. I love it. All right, now I'm gonna get this band out of the way. All right, so One of the things I like about these Pioneer belts is they have the the multi-latch, this is the PAL-2, which allows me to put a belt on relatively lightly. So what I do when I have a new lifter is I either take a belt like this uh, or more of like the the nylon belts or the uh, soft belts, and I have them, wrap it around their waist in this manner here, where it's relatively loose. If I don't push out against it, the belt will actually fall pretty easily. And what I have them do here is expand, not just their belly, but also their obliques and their low back into the belt. Here, you can actually see me kind of push and fill that space. And if I'm coaching them, I'll take, my hand or I'll take two or three fingers and I'll push it right behind that space in the back and have them expand into that that location. There are times where even when I'm lifting and warming up, if I'm not feeling super secure, what I'll do is do a couple sets with my belt unlatched like this and really focus on filling all those positions. Now, there's a really key aspect here that people miss out on. I'm gonna bring this camera back up. When I do that brace, you don't see my shoulders lift up super high in the air. I don't go here. This stays all flat. Like I don't, I don't go, breathe up in my shoulders or my chest. I want to breathe just in to that belt and in to my belly. And this is where people go wrong, it's because they say, oh, breathe into the belly, and they just push their belly out, right? That's a a dad belly if you ever saw one. But instead, we wanna get here and expand all around, 360 degrees of tension into that belt, and then what you can do is actually give them a little bit more feedback. With this, I can latch in another space, With a soft belt, I can just tighten it up a little bit more or we can actually latch the belt and have me expand into it. But that's how I teach it from a really basic standpoint. It is one of those things. It is a skill. It will get better over time. Individuals will find more comfort and they will um, get better at bracing under heavier loads as they adapt to that stimulus. But it's really important to understand the general concepts of like how to actually execute this because without at least the understanding of what the sensation should feel like, it can be more difficult. Now, is it a panacea? Is it like the, the missing link for many lifters? No, it's not. Um, it can definitely be something that's improved, but it's not going to be the end all be all because most people can, can reflexively learn some of these things. And then it's on us to expand that skill. So any questions about this, let me know, you know, as always, I'm an open book, please send me a message. Go from there. Until then, appreciate you. Don't forget about the CPC in Petersboro, Ontario, Canada, Peterborough, not Petersburg, Peterborough, uh, Canada at Pulse Physio. I'm super stoked for that. October 22nd, 23rd. It is the first live CPC that we are doing since 2019. Yeah, it's been that long. I know. Um, Lockdowns just did their job and locked it down. So until then, I'll see y'all later. Peace. I really feel like over the last few months is the wrong timeline. The last few years, uh, evidence-based practice has gotten a little out of hand. Um, and I want to definitely elaborate on specifically why that is and why I think we're kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But first, if you don't know who I am, my name is John Flagg. I own Rebuild Stronger, a strength and rehab company for powerlifters and other strength athletes. I am here to give as much information as humanly possible to you guys, So you can expand your knowledge on the sport, expand your knowledge on business and expand your knowledge so that you can make your life a better, stronger place to live. So what I mean by evidence-based practice kind of getting out of hand, a lot of people have very quickly began to discredit observation and experience with evidence. And one of the big tenets of any evidence-based practice is to actually take all of those factors into account. We talk about the three-legged stool of evidence-based practice being scientific experimentation, observation, and experience. And a lot of people will take a study that has five participants and immediately discredit someone who's been practicing in the field for 20 years. And that inherently becomes dangerous because it's very, very easy to then discredit a scientific study that's a singular scientific study. Uh, especially when it comes to strength and conditioning and the exercise science field as extensive as we believe evidence to be, it is still a very young area of science and also one that doesn't necessarily have the best credibility in some of the other harder sciences. So we have to keep that in mind when we're evaluating the evidence around things like strength and conditioning, strength training, and those sorts of things, because one of the greatest limitations, and this was a mind blowing moment for me, especially uh, on a podcast with researchers, This is one of the big things. We, with Clinical Athlete Podcast, we actually talk to the researchers and we were talking to a strength and conditioning researcher on weightlifting and speed and power dynamics and on all those other fun things. And we asked him if he ever thought of using pain as a variable, and he flat out said no. He said, it's too messy. It's not objective enough. It'll mess up my data, and it's not something I want in my data set because it would make it too difficult to analyze all the things that I'm actually trying to analyze. So that's a big piece of reviewing science that we have to stay cognizant of and really, really dig deep into understanding. Okay, cool. What are the constraints of the actual research that we're sharing. Are they using applicable movements? Are they using a leg press in untrained individuals? And we're taking that and extrapolating it out to someone's squat, because that's not gonna have as much carryover as we would probably like. Are they taking untrained individuals and working up to three or five rep maximums and we're taking that and extrapolating it into experienced lifters and one repetition maximums. Like as, as close as some of these things are, we have to be careful in painting all of those things with that brush and like saying, okay, well, this study says it, so I'm right. Uh, and that's the other piece is bias, our own personal bias of what we want to believe, what we've been taught previously and those sorts of things they can contribute to our own analysis of the literature and the science which also is very, very dangerous because that's when you have to take into account all of the other aspects that come with evidence, which is observation and experience. Now, I get it. I get it. I'm going to have a whole bunch of people come into the comment section and say, John, what are you doing? Like, what is this? You're just a West Side fanboy." But I always do find it interesting. I'm going to use this as, as a direct example. When we take studies that are a N of 10, right? The number of subjects are 10. And we use it to nullify the work of somebody like Louis Simmons who had more world champions than that study had participants. We have to take into account the years of observation and years of experience that are brought into that because as Mike Tushira says, as I firmly believe, every single training block that you have is an experiment. Every single movement that you use and select and outcome that you get And every activity that you put and plug into training is all part of a grander experiment for you to get better and and collect knowledge about your training process. And if somebody's done that for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and produced immense results, yes. Are some of the things that they say maybe not claims that should be thrown out there? Sure, I'm, I'm not arguing that in any way, shape, or form. But can we take a singular paper or even just a, a small series of papers and raise it up like it's Excalibur to slay this demon? No, we can't. Because that observation and experience also has an extreme amount of value, just like that research paper does. So that's, that's where I feel like as an evidence-based uh, practitioner model, We've kind of gone astray and we've swung the pendulum too far on one side where we find a paper that fits our bias and we use it as a weapon. We use it as a sword. We use it as a way to shout out the non-believers where in reality, what we've done is we've kind of pigeonholed ourselves onto a one-legged stool that you're never going to be able to sit on for an extended period of time, if at all. So that's kind of my take on it. It may not be a popular opinion, um, but do remember please that I'm not saying that scientific studies are worthless. They have an immense amount of value and it is something that to this day, I still consume on a regular, regular basis. Uh, But I've done enough of that to know that one singular study is not a body of evidence and we have to be more critical of ourselves and our own ability to go through the research as it comes out to stay up to date, as well as respecting those who've been in the field for an extended period of time and helped inform those questions that are being asked in research. So until next time, peeps, appreciate it a lot. Like, subscribe, do all those things that people on the internet tell you to do. And we'll talk soon. Peace.